John chapter 19, verse number 23. The Bible said, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, Therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them. And for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Heavenly Father, I pray the next few moments you would give us liberty, give us clarity. I pray that you would touch our voice and I pray that you would touch our mind. And God, help us to not say anything in the flesh or anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. God, we do not want to magnify the flesh in any way, but we want to magnify you, magnify your Son. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Most of all, I ask you to save that sinner nearest hell, and we that are saved draw us near to Calvary. And may we see no man save Jesus only. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We come to this text. I want to preach this morning on the subject, Calvary, the place of parting. Calvary, the place of parting. You see in this text, in verse number 23, I see the soldiers and his garments. As the Bible said that then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts. Now, when you think about our Savior at the foot of the cross and how that they stood Jesus there, they were about to crucify him. One of the last things that they did to our Savior before they put him on the cross is they took those garments off of him. Uh, they took that garment that was off of his body and Jesus was hung there between heaven and hell naked before the entire world. You know, nakedness has always been a sin or always been identified with sin and shame in the Bible. If you go back to the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, they knew they were naked. Their eyes were open. They left the state of innocence like a little child uh, and they saw themselves uh, and they saw their nakedness and the Bible said they went and hid themselves and they made fig leaves and they clothed themselves to their state but when the presence of God started walking in the midst of them, their standard was not good enough for God's standard. And God made clothes of, clothes of skin and he covered them. That's what clothing is for. It is to cover the body. And when our Savior was at the cross uh, to shame him, to, to, to disgrace him and to humiliate him, they stripped him of his garment and they hung him naked for all to see. That ought to tell us a lot about nakedness in this day and time that we ought to not peel off and pull our clothes off and reveal our skin and reveal it because it's always been an identity with sin and with shame. And Jesus bore our shame at Calvary. And so the soldiers now have parted his garments. Then there's not only the soldier, but there's a separating of his garments here. The Bible said that they made four parts to every soldier a part. Now a peasant had four garments. He had sandals, he had his head dress, his outer robe, his girdle, and he would, they took those parts and they separated them and they gave them one to another. And so there is the separating of his garments. Then there is the significance of his garments. You know that every garment that Jesus ever wore had great significance to that. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, everything about our Lord's life had significance. Isn't that right? Including the clothes that he wore 
more. I think a good study would be on the wardrobe of Christ because from a babe in the manger unto his resurrection in the tomb, his garments are identified. When you think about when he was a baby in the manger, the Bible said that Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And those swaddling clothes was either linen strips or it was like a sheet that was wrapped around him. And it represented something. You say, what do you mean? Well, it did two things. First of all, it concealed his identity in one sense and then it revealed his identity in another sense. You see, Jesus is God and he's man. Isn't that right? He's the God man. And it concealed his deity, but it revealed his humanity. It concealed, my friend, his person as the son of God, but it revealed his person as the son of man. And so it proved also that he was born to die. It proved that he was born poor, amen? You see, that's what those swaddling clothes represented. You think about in Mark chapter number five, when the Bible said that that woman with the issue of blood, the word of God said she touched the hem of his garment and she was made whole, amen? Even the hem of our Savior's garment, it represents the finished work, the completed work. That's the last thing you do to a garment. When you make a garment and it's all nearly completed, when it comes to that final step, you know what you do? You put a hem on it, isn't that right? And when the hem is put in, it means that the garment has been completed. I'm gonna tell you, we are complete in him is what Colossians says. And everything about Jesus is complete, amen? I tell you, when you take a garment and you put a hem in it, there has to be a piercing, isn't that right? And Christ was pierced at Calvary and because he was pierced at Calvary and we put our faith in him, thank God we're complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what that woman did with that issue of blood? When she reached out and touched the hem of that garment by faith, she touched the H-E-M of the H-I-M and thank God her, her, her sickness, it was complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's significance in his garments. Even at the, the garden tomb, uh, uh, when Christ, uh, uh, listen, when he was resurrected and they came, you know what they found? They found a piece of garment. The Bible said the napkin was folded separately. I'm telling you, everything has significance. In uh, Revelation chapter one, when John saw him, he was clothed in a garment down to his ankles. Somebody said, well, if Jesus was here today, what would he be wearing? I'll tell you what he wouldn't be wearing. He wouldn't be running around in flip-flops and, and knee-knocker shorts uh, and a wife-beater shirt. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? I'm gonna tell you, he wouldn't have long hair. I can tell you that right now, amen. Uh, listen, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And somebody said, well, he would dress to modern day. Uh, you know, people in America think that American Western civilization and culture is the standard for modern day. But you go to the Middle East, friend, and I'm telling you people that don't even know God, uh, I'm talking about Muslims, and I'm talking about, uh, uh, listen, all kinds of different Eastern cultures. Uh, they believe in a higher standard of dress uh, than people living in America that call themselves Christians, amen. Isn't that right? 
I mean, somebody gets mad because you preach on nakedness in the church. Uh, and I'm not talking about lost people. I can understand a lost man getting mad. Now I'm talking about people go to church uh, that don't have enough sense to put their clothes on. Uh, and when they go out into society, amen, uh, uh, listen, they dress like, I mean, uh, listen, I've seen some people, and if you ever go to airports, you'll say amen to this. Uh, I've seen people dress in the airport. Listen, I don't dress in private like some of them dress in the airport. Amen. For the few of you that are still pale, it's going to get worse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what? It's always identified that way. And Jesus, you somebody said, well, what would Jesus wear if he was here right now? I can tell you what he would wear. Revelation chapter number one. He would wear a garment close to, clothed to his ankle. The Jews believed in a six-bone rule. They believed the collarbone. They believed the, the wrist bone and the ankle bone. That's where they believed the clothing went to up to the collarbone, to the wrist bone, and to the ankle bone. In Revelation chapter one, that's what Jesus is, he's wearing that priestly garment. That's what he's dressed in. In Revelation 19, when he comes back, somebody said, well, uh, yeah, but we're talking about the future. You can't get no more future than Revelation chapter number one. He's already told us how he's dressed up there now, how he's gonna dress when he comes back. In Revelation 19, he's gonna have a garment that's dipped in blood, the Bible said, and on his thigh is gonna be uh, a name written that, uh, that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, I'm talking about the garments of Christ uh, are of great significance. And so when we come to this text this morning, we find the same thing. There's significance in these garments that we see here. These are peasants' garments in verse number 23. But when you come to verse number 24, I want you to see something else here. The Bible said here, or verse number 23, to every soldier apart, but notice this, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, and it was woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore among themselves let us not rend it but cast lots for it who is it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith they parted my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots so there is the significance of his garments but when we get to verse number 24 there's the scriptures and his garment you see in Psalms 22 in verse number 18 the, the psalmist literally stated what is stated in verse number 24 that they would part his garment and they would cast lots. You see the casting of lots in the Old Testament is that they believed it would be out of the hands of man and it would be in the hands of God. Now these soldiers didn't know God but they cast lots for his garment. It was a fulfillment of prophecy and it proved that God was as in much a charge of Calvary as he was creation. Amen. Nothing happened on that hillside that day that what God did not already say it was going to happen the way it was going to happen. I'm telling you we serve a sovereign God, don't we? I'm not a Calvinist this morning, but God is sovereign. He's in control. And God was in control of the cross, uh, even down to the point of the parting of the garments. Uh, Calvary was a place of parting. Uh, they gave these garments out, but when they came to this coat that was woven, the Bible said that they did not part. They did not rend that garment. I want to give you four things this morning about this coat and what it represents this morning. Calvary the place of parting. I want you to see, first of all, the material of this seamless robe here. The Bible says in verse number uh, 23, now the coat uh, was without seam woven from the top throughout. So when you think about this coat, what this material was made out of, uh, it was made out of linen. That's what the priest wore. And my friend, it was an inner garment. And so this garment represents something this morning. You say, what does it represent? Well, it, it uh, 
It typifies the impeccability of Christ, the immutability of Christ, the incorruptible corruption of Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This thing was woven. The Bible says here that it was woven without seam from top to the bottom, meaning that when you looked at this coat on the outside, it was perfect. It was woven without seam. Is Jesus Christ not the altogether perfect one, the altogether lovely one? Is he not the righteous one, the holy one? Is he not the one that is impeccable this morning? He's the immutable God. That's who he is. That's what this coat represented. It represented the righteousness of Jesus Christ this morning. I'm glad the God that we serve is holy. And this morning, the forgotten message of this hour that's not being preached in our churches anymore is holiness. The Bible said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You know what sinners need to see? They need to see the holiness of God. How do they see the holiness of God? They see it in his people. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. We're not perfect. We're not sinless. We can never be sinless within ourselves. We know that positionally this morning God has made us holy because he knows that all of our righteousness is filthy rags isn't that right but we can we do believe the Bible teaches progressive sanctification in other words that means that God positionally sanctifies me and you when we get saved the blood is applied to our life because we can never stand by our own standard and with our own righteousness it is filthy rags as I've said so God has applied the blood of Christ and positionally when he sees me and when he sees you, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ and positionally it sanctifies us. It makes us righteous. It makes us clean. It makes us pure and it makes us holy. Amen. But within this old flesh, God did not eradicate the flesh. He did not save the flesh. Man is two-thirds saved as Brother Sammy used to say. Listen, his soul and spirit is saved but his flesh has not been eradicated. But on that great resurrection and morning as we already said uh, we shall rise, hallelujah and this mortal as I mentioned is going to put on immortality, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption and thank God we'll be changed uh, out of an old sinful body, we'll be glorified uh, into a righteous body, amen, and we'll be like this coat, uh, we'll be complete hallelujah in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen we're not perfect, we're sinners A man said to me one time, he said, oh, we're not sinners, we're saints. I said, positionally, we're saints. Practically, let's just be honest, we're sinners. You read the book of James, James referred to us as sinners. And that's what we are. We're sinners saved by grace. Isn't that wonderful? But when I see a sinner out there in this world, I don't think I'm no better than the drunk. I don't think I'm no better than the prostitute. Only difference between me and them and you and them this morning is the grace of God. Amen. We are what we are by the grace of God. It's grace that picked us up out of nothing and put us into everything. It's only by the grace of God you're sitting in church this morning. It's only by the grace of God you got a King James Bible in your lap and Jesus in your heart. I have nothing to boast in this morning for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God lest any man should boast is what the Bible says. There's the material of this seamless robe. There is the making of this seamless robe. This robe, the Bible said this coat was woven from the top throughout. Somebody had to to take the time to 
to weave this cut, the making of it. Somebody invested the time. Now I'll tell you what legend says about it. I, I don't put confidence in legend because it is not the Bible. But legend sometimes uh, uh, could shine light on something, but I'm not uh, uh, hanging my hat on legend. But legend says that Mary gave Jesus this, co- this inner coat. It was the part that is closest to the individual's heart. She gave it to him when he started uh, uh, his ministry. Now, I would not say that to be 100% true, but I will show you something here that is interesting. That in verse number 24, the soldiers are having this discussion as to what to do with this coat. And they said in verse 24, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among themselves, and for my vesture uh, they did cast lots. So they're having these things, therefore the soldiers did. They're having this conversation in verse 24. In verse 25, uh, the Bible said there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, Jesus' mother's marriage there, and the mother, his sister, uh, his, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. So they're standing at the cross, and in verse 26, Jesus begins to talk to his mother. It is interesting that they're talking about the coat in verse 24, and the next thing you read is Jesus speaking to his mother. Now, our Lord didn't need reminding of anything, but there is a possibility that there is a link there. I don't know that Mary made the coat, don't know that she didn't make the coat, uh, make the coat but somebody invested the time uh, to make this coat and give it to the Lord Jesus, amen. Uh, Jesus did not own anything, but he had this garment, this inner garment that was closest to his heart and it represents uh, uh, the high priestly garment. Jesus is our high priest, amen? And when you see him in Revelation 1, he's clothed in a garment that represents that high priest. Uh, He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. So this coat represents, uh, uh, my friend, who he is. Uh, But he laid that aside. Isn't that interesting? He laid it aside uh, and he took our coat of shame, uh, our coat of sin, uh, and our coat of nakedness uh, and he got on the cross and he bore it while he was there. There's the meaning of this robe. And that's what it means today is that Jesus laid aside his he laid aside his robe and the Bible said he became sin for us. Jesus not only died for me and he not only died for you but he died as me and he died as you. He became sin. Now Jesus never did sin but he took on the robes of sin. He bore the sin at Calvary. I'm glad that I don't have to bear my sin this morning. You know, the devil loves to come by and remind you and remind me of everything that we've done. If you ever try to pray, the devil will tell you about the things that you have done wrong. I thought about this the other day. I should never bring up the past of people because that's what the devil does, friend. When the past has been forgiven... It ought to, we ought to choose to forget it. You say, Brother Gravely, but I'm human. I, I can't forget. You know, God can't forget anything. So how does he forget if he can't? God can remember. Would you agree this morning? God can remember everything. So how does God forget my past? He forgets it for only one way. He chooses not to remember. And do you know when God saves a sinner... We ought to forget their past. We ought to not remember 
what they used to be. I, I was preaching in Alabama a few weeks ago. So it's been several weeks ago now. And the pastor's sister was there. And she was, uh, uh, listen, she, the pastor, uh, he, he worked for several years. He uh, was chief of police. And, and his sister was a meth head in the same community that he was a police officer. And he told me, he said, preacher, you don't know the times that she probably should have went to jail, could have went to jail. Not that he evaded it, but he said, I think God was just, was just showing her mercy at times. And she got saved just about two years ago. And she stood up the other day and she said, you know, she said, I was in a, in a meeting. She was somewhere and she said, I heard somebody stand up and, and say I used to be an old meth head. But she said, you know, uh, she said, I'm not a meth head. Uh, she said, I'm a sinner that's been saved by grace. Uh, she said, God don't remember what I used to be. And she said, I don't want to remember it no more. Isn't that a blessing, amen? Uh, you don't have to wear the titles of the past. Uh, thank God that's been forgotten. Uh, your past has been erased. Uh, it's been washed in the blood. It's been under the blood, thank God. You're a child of the king if you're saved. Forget the past. Quit living under the guilt. Go on in grace and know that my friend, you've been forgiven and it's been forgotten. Hallelujah. The devil brings that up so many times. The meaning of the sinless, uh, of the seamless robe. And then the message. What is the message of this robe? The message is this, that they took it off of our Savior. Jesus was willing to lay it aside. Can you imagine that this morning? That Jesus was willing to leave the portals of glory and come to where we are. Can you imagine this morning that Jesus was willing to leave all the splendor, all the glory, all the majesty, all the worship, all the perfection, all the beauty, all that heaven had to offer, the fellowship, the sweet fellowship that he'd had with his father that had never been broken one time in eternity. He was willing to lay all that aside and come to an old sin-cursed earth that was full of sickness and full of sin and full of demons and full of all types of imperfection. He was willing to humble himself and take upon the form of a servant. I'm talking about the king of kings. I'm talking about the Lord of lords. He was willing to lay all that aside and come and be a servant to others. He was willing to put on humanity. He made himself the Bible said in Hebrews 2 and verse 9 he made himself lower than the angels. He condescended and came to where we was wrapped up in the seed in a virgin's womb and was born into this earth. My friend through the channels of that birth he came into this world as a little old baby in a manger. I'm talking about the condescending of our Savior. He came all the way down to the lowest point of humanity to a little bitty child and he grew up in this world. He went through the stages of physical growth. Limitations was placed upon him. My friend, why? Because he loved you and he loved me and he lived 33 and a half years and he walked amongst sinners and he lived amongst sinners and he got hungry and he got tired he was in all points tempted like as we are. But through it all, thank God, he was without sin. He was victorious in everything that he ever did. He lived in the spirit. He lived in the spirit, walked in the spirit, and he died at Calvary. Revelation 1 and verse 7. He said, I'm he that liveth. And I was dead. Can you imagine that? The very embodiment of life, the giver of life, died willingly, voluntarily. No man could take his life from him. But on the cross, he dismissed his spirit. 
on the cross. He gave up the ghost. Jesus separated his spirit and soul from his body and he let his soul go to the heart of the earth and his spirit to go be with God and his body went into the grave. I'm telling you, when you think about what he did, why would he do that? Why would he go through all of that? Why would he leave it all behind and go through all of that? I'll tell you why. Because he loved you and he loved me. And I ought to put us all on shouting ground this morning. I'm telling you, God didn't owe any of us nothing. He could have let the, every one of us went to hell. He could let the world went to hell and he'd still been God and he'd still went on. But he was willing to come. He was willing to face the clutches of death and the agony of the cross because he loved us. Hallelujah. And when they took that coat off of him, that was the message that was being said. It was laid aside. Then there's the mystery of this seamless robe. It is a mystery this morning. The mystery is in who really made the robe. The mystery is what did it look like? The mystery in the fact what happened to it. I wonder what the soldier that got that robe, I wonder what he did with it. I wonder if it ever held any significant meaning whatsoever. You know, every one of us has things in our home that if we was to visit each other's home and see them, they wouldn't mean anything to us but they are to, because they weren't given to us. You know, there's things in your house, if you look at them, you would never throw them away. Now, some people are addicted to that, and I'm not. <laughs> some of you still have the... You know, the little turkey hand picture you made when you was five years old and you're 60. Because you made it in kindergarten. Throw it away. Your children's going to throw it away. Some people think everything, I'm just not that way. I, I mean, there's a, I've narrowed it down to a tote, hallelujah. When, I, when we're dead, our children... They're going to think, man, we don't have anything left. We put it all in, it's all in one tote. That's all the memorabilia we have. That's all we want. That's all we're ever going to have. Some, but if you look through that, I was thinking about, well, you know what's, you know what's in, I'll tell you all that's in it because I wouldn't bore you. But I'll tell you, there's a pig in that tote. A little bitty pig. I'm not going to tell you the story behind it. Because it doesn't matter to you. But, you know, if you'd have told me in life I was going to keep a little bitty pig. Uh, but it has a meaning to it. And there's other things. There's a little lock of hair in that toad. And sometimes people go through that and they don't even know whose it is or what it is or what it means. But it means something to you. Have you ever looked at something that somebody left behind and thought, why, I wonder why they kept that? The mystery of it. It's the way the coat is. But when you think about the coat, the mystery of the coat is because the mystery represents Christ. Christ is a mystery this morning. As much as we know him, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. As much as we sing about him, as much as we preach about him, as much as we witness and tell others about him, there's still more to be found out about Jesus. There's so much more. Brother Sean sung that song this morning. I come to the garden alone. While the dew, that's a good time to come, is still on the roses. Those are morning hours. And the voice that I hear 
calling on my ears, the Son of God, as he discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. I want to say this morning, it doesn't matter how many times that you walk with him and how many times you talk with him. You never get bored. You never get, you never run out of things to say. I mean, if we was to hang around each other, it would be wonderful, but after a while, just you can only handle so much of anybody. Isn't that right? And you know, it's just, there's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else to say. And you know what? Listen, you're no longer enamored by that personality. You begin to get familiar with it. I want to tell you what Jesus, it's not that way. Every time his presence ever shows up, it's refreshing and it's new and it does something to our souls. And the longer you serve him, as the songwriter said, the sweeter he grows. Why? Because Christ is a mystery. When we get to heaven one of these days, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter two, that in the exceeding or that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Do you realize we sing about grace and we preach about grace and we shout about grace right now but when we get to heaven one of these days you know what God's going to do? He's just going to turn another page and another chapter and there's reservoirs of the grace of God that you and I have never tapped into and the mystery of who he is we will my friends stand in awe of his person throughout all of eternity. Hallelujah. Because he's just like this robe. There's so much more to know about him.